to see you here tonight. It always sounds so stiff. Okay. What is the most afflicted animal in Christendom? The most afflicted animal. Deaf sheep. Sheep. <laughs> 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 I can tell you didn't go over the lesson with her, did you? Have you ever had a time in your life where you just had a hard time hearing? Where you just wanted to know what God's voice was, what his will was, and you just had a rough time hearing. You know, it's really sad that we have pastors that don't have a sense of hearing God's voice on a regular basis. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> Phone call from heaven. <laughs> I was talking to a pastor. They go, I've never heard God speak to me. And I go, you've got to be kidding. You've never heard God speak to you. And so I said, well, you've got to hear on like sermons because that's the hardest thing I have each week is hearing God. You know, I just don't want to give a little educated look at the Bible. Come on, let's let it be something that's exactly where somebody in there says, that's exactly what I was struggling with. That's exactly what I needed. Where it's more of a hair prophetic at the timing of it, not just something that you just make up and sounds pretty. And it's where it's something birthed in your spirit. Well, this pastor they let me see their notes, and they go, no, they had cut out a magazine to all their sermons, and they cut out whole paragraphs and glued them together, and I was like, oh, what a fresh revelation from God every week. Fresh manna here. Tell her later. Okay, whole churches, they have a hard time hearing God. Isn't it amazing that you can go to a church all your life and never one time they teach a sermon on hearing God or a lesson? I talked to FCA once, and I was like, I was shocked. They said, we have never, ever heard a lesson on hearing God's voice. Ministerial students. I was sitting with one last year, no, two years ago, and I was talking to him. I was like, man, you've got to have a grasp of God's will. And they said, you cannot know the will of God. you just got to try the best you can. Knowing, hearing, Howard Payne students, hearing the voice of God. Christians that go their whole lifetime and never hear. And worst of all, days where I can't hear. Now let's talk tonight about hearing God's voice. God never intended for deaf sheep. The first place, the first place to start learning to hear God is where in the Bible do we have any assurance or any promises that we can hear his voice? What, what chapter would you turn someone to on hearing God's voice? Okay. Hold, hold your tongue. <laughs> okay, come on, come on, come on. Where would, you, where, where would you turn them to? Just give me the book out of the Bible. John. Oh. <laughs> Thank you, Renee. <laughs> okay, it's John, chapter... Ten, he would. Okay, thank you, Kayla. John chapter 10 is the book in the Bible that talks about hearing God's voice. There are whole passages on that sheep hear God's voice. You know, I've kind of laughed about it, what God must look like. Uh, oh, this is my uh, deaf herd over here. Uh, they don't hear God's voice. I mean, I have to pastor deaf sheep. Can you imagine what God must feel like if he has, if we really think that we cannot hear God's voice, there's whole churches that never teach on it, never practice it, never have a revelation that God speaks to you. It's not just something you read about in the Bible. It's like God pastoring deaf sheep. You know, this is his little afflicted kingdom over here, deaf sheep, they can't hear. Okay, how do we move from being deaf sheep into the ability of being able to hear God speak? All right, first thing is, write these three scriptures down or I'll give you the notes later. Is that Exodus 12, 2, Zechariah 7, 11, and Matthew 12, 13, is that Jesus says in each of these, and the Holy Spirit says, that the worst thing you can have on your body are ears that don't perform their job 
ears that don't hear. So I want you to take a minute and think about your ears and say, these are hearing ears. They're made to hear. Jesus says, woe to these guys that have ears, but they can't hear. Eyes that do not perceive. You have ears and you cannot hear the voice of God. God didn't make those ears for you to be hearing that music from your roommate beneath you. Boom, 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 in the, your apartment complex. God made those ears for you to hear him speak to you. As a Christian, do you have hearing ears? Do you have the kind of ears where you can hear God speak to your life? They're useless ears. They're wasted ears if you're not attuned to hearing the Spirit of God. How often have you done it? When's the last time? I want you to think back. When's the last time that you're sure beyond a shoved out? It's, I'm not saying that. I've never, to my knowledge, heard God speak to me audibly from the outside. Some people have said that. But I've had times that it was so sure. Times where it's so clear on the inside. It's like it shakes your life. I mean, you know it's God. You don't have to say, who was that? Uh... I mean, it's, it's something that it just permeates your entire being. Okay, John chapter 10, verse 4. It says, in life, two voices at the same time, a voice of the stranger and the voice of a shepherd. The first thing you need to know, some people are so happy. Man, I'm so glad to just hear God's voice. Man, I just heard a voice pass through my head, and it's God. Because any voice that comes must be God. I'm trying to hear God's voice. And some of the goofiest voices people hear. Do you know goofy voices make goofy sheep? I mean, I don't know how to fix some Christians. I'm like, they come to me and they go, man, I'm hearing God speak this to me. And I'm like, that couldn't be God. I mean, they're, they're goofy Christians. And you fix them this time, and the next time they're goofy again. It, what it is, it comes from hearing goofy voices. And the devil is goofy, and he'd like to make you goofy. I mean, look at the temptation of Jesus. He stands him on the pinnacle and goes, jump! And he quotes the scripture to him. Hey, if you'll jump. And I've always noticed the devil is stupid, and he's always tried to get me to do stupid things. They said, sin is pleasurable for a moment, but man, it's embarrassing as a memory. <laughs> the devil's goofy, and he tries to talk you into the goofiest things. It's amazing, goofy voices that get us to do goofy things. Goofy sheep, hearing God's voice. I want you to look in John chapter 4. It says there's two voices that will be speaking to you. The voice of the stranger and the voice of a shepherd. Good alliteration there. S and S. The voice of a stranger and the voice of a shepherd. At all times, you're going to have voices speaking to you. Two voices at the same time. The first time, I was telling them two nights ago, that I ever heard this happen to me. I was walking from the trash can. And you, you hear a voice speak to you, and you almost automatically act on it. Because Satan, when he speaks to you, he speaks to you in first person. He doesn't say, this is the Satan, and I'd like to tell you. <laughs> I've never had, you know, he's never identified himself that way. I was walking along, and I, I, this guy comes into the apartment complex. He, he was a white guy. He had a real weird look to him. He was like a, I mean, one of those stalker-type guys. You looked into his eyes, and you were immediately like, oh, you know where this one's leading. And so I was trying to make up my mind which way to go. I, I, was, I was caught where I was. So I was trying to decide what to do. I was home by myself, and I lifted up my foot to go this direction, to get away from the guy, and I heard this voice say, go this way. So I lifted to go, and when I, I started in this direction, another voice came and said, no, I say go this way. And I'm like, oh, no, now it's not the time to learn the difference. I mean, you, you hear two separate voices, and I said, I don't know which one. So the guy was beginning to cruise in to stop me, and I'm like, oh, gosh. And I thought, you know, that second voice sounds like my father's voice. It's firm, but it's with love. It has a, it has a very authoritative sound to the voice. You know, it's gentle, but it's, I don't know how to describe God's voice other than it's a lot like a father's voice. 
You know it'll protect you, but you also know there's a lot of authority there. So I took the second voice. The funny thing about the second voice, it led me into the middle of a beer party. I mean, they were drinking it up and having this big old party down up there. I'm standing in the middle of a beer party, and I'm like, what am I doing here? And that guy, he got out of his car, he came over to me, and he came after me from the car. He was so mad. He got me in the middle of the beer party, and he couldn't get me out of there. And I thought, you know, if I had followed that other voice, I'd ended up in the washeteria where I'd been trapped alone and there was nobody in there. So it's amazing how hearing God's voice, hearing the difference between the voices, that you'll hear the difference between a stranger's voice and a shepherd's voice. At all times, you'll hear differences. Okay, now look in Psalms 55 verse 2. And one sign, I think this one gives us such a good indication to how the devil's voice sounds. In Psalms 55, verse 2, it says, The voice of the enemy, David describes it as a compulsive voice. And I guess I'd have to say that. It's like he wants to hurry and talk you into it so you won't back out. Come on, you got to buy this deal. It's a good deal. It's a man's property. Come on, you got to get it. Those are the kind of salesmen. And that's kind of how the devil is. He's going to sell you on the ideal before you can back out. It's compulsive, compulsive. It's the compulsive voice of the enemy. And David cries out, Man, I feel that compulsion, that pressure to do it. You, we were laughing about the state school. You can fill in your blank of whatever your sin is. Maybe it's um, what is, what, make up a sin. What's your sin? Smoking, stealing, yeah. cheating, lying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> With the state school boys, it's all, all it's, man, you talk about they've been locked up so long. You talk about, man, it'd be stealing a car. I mean, their hands, it's like that little Home Alone kid. His hands start getting the shakes. You know, have you ever noticed in the movie right before he does something, his hands start shaking? Yeah, and so you just see their little hands, and they're just thinking about it. And I said, you walk past this car, it's a slick-looking car. It's parked there. It's got the keys and the ignition, and you just think they're so stupid. You know, anybody that leave the keys and the ignition, they deserve their car. I mean, I don't even have to hotwire this car. I can get in this car and take it off. So the, the guy's just like, man, I, I'm in the free. I'm going to go ride. I'm not going to do it. And this voice tells them, do it, do it, do it, do it. And it hops on their shoulder, and it just starts putting pressure on them. Do it, do it, do it. No one will catch you. You can get away with it this time. One block around then, it'll feel so good just to be back into action. This is a real temptation to them. Maybe to you. Who knows? So they get in the car. And they're going down the road, and red and blue are going around in the interior. And you're like, that feeling that we all have. Oh, no. Pull over. You slammed against the car. Handcuffs go on there. You, it's, I caught you cheating on that test. You know, that kind of thing. Whatever whatever your little, no, I'm, I'm just doing your sin. You know, whatever your sin is. You know, <laughs> grand felony, whatever. We've got to relate to this story. So anyway, they pull you out of the car. You're being slammed against there. And that same voice jumps on the other shoulder and goes, you're so stupid. I told you you're never going to turn out. You're going to be just like that ugly brother of yours, that sleazy sister. And it just begins. No, nothing personal. Don't tell him. Who won that Bible study? And sudden, you just start hearing this voice. Have you ever noticed the enemy gets you going and coming? He sits there and compulsively talks you into it. And no sooner do you get rest from him talking you into doing something bad that he jumps on the other shoulder and he's like, you are so sorry. You're never going to amount to anything with God. It's just that sick feeling in your stomach. I've done it again. You've never had that experience. Where all of a sudden you just have that compulsion where it's talked you into it and then he ridicules you for doing it. Compulsive voice. The voice of a stranger. Two voices at all times in your life. You heard a voice, all right. You did good on hearing. You obeyed it. It just was the wrong voice. <laughs> and by practice, you will figure out the difference. Okay, John 10, verse 5. 
There's a great promise here. In verse 4 it says there's a stranger's voice, but in verse 5 it says my sheep won't follow a stranger's voice. Man, I want to claim that. Man, I'm not going to go down the wrong world. I'm not going to follow the voice of a stranger. My sheep won't follow the wrong voice. They'll follow the right kind of voice. You know, your safety can depend on your hearing. I want you to look in John 10. The whole chapter deals with the issue of hearing God. In John 10, 3, it talks about hearing God's voice. And the Greek word is the word for hear. In John 10, verse 4, it switches and it's no longer hear God's voice, it's know God's voice. One of the keys to hearing is knowing. The first step, it's an entrance in knowing the difference and hearing God is knowing the difference in the voice. John 10, verse 16, it's hearing the voice. John 10, verse 27, again, the word hear is used. Greek words, and it's three of one kind and one of another. He switches and uses a different word. If you'll look at these verses, it talks about in verse 4, it's a sign you're a Christian. It's a mark that you know the shepherd. How do you know these sheep belong to him? They hear his voice. It's a very clear thing. It's an interesting thing in verse 16. It's almost prophetic of the Gentiles. He says, not all my sheep are in this fold. I have another fold, and I'm going to unite them with these sheep. But what's the earmark on verse 16 of who his next sheep are? They hear him. They follow his voice. So the key to your Christianity is the ability of how familiar you are with your shepherd's voice, the knowing of the voice. John 8, verse 47, who are of his sheep? Those who hear and follow. Real clear in John 8, 47, he tells the Pharisees, who are not his sheep? He goes, guys, I know you're not my sheep because you can't hear my voice and you don't listen when you do hear it. You know, I'm being awful polite in this Bible study. I'm being generous to you when I say that God has deaf sheep. Jesus didn't say they were deaf sheep. He said they were not sheep. But I wouldn't want to preach that because, you know, what happened there? You get too controversial. Okay, so the ability to hear God is the mark and it's the sign on your life that you're a Christian. It doesn't take you being 10 years old and spiritually mature. A brand new sheep knows the voice of a shepherd. It's an earmark of your Christianity. Okay, first, let's look into a sheep knowing his voice. Now, in this chapter, you're going to find seven different voices. Now, seven's the perfect number. I had to squeeze it real hard to get the seven out of there, but they're there. Good, seven, seven. Okay, seven different voices in chapter 10. And so you're going to be finding the differences in those voices, having the voice recognition. Okay, in verse 5, it talks about a stranger's voice. In verse 4, it talks about the thief and the robber, but actually it's a thief and a robber, a different what is it, article that precedes it. And that's different, they say, than the thief mentioned in verse 10, which I think represents Satan. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. So you have a stranger, you have a thief and a robber, verse 4. You have the thief, a thief and robber in 4, the thief in verse 10. And 12 is the wolf and the hireling. And you've got to know the difference between that and the seventh voice, which is the shepherd. Knowing the voice. You know their voice. You know, there's just something about their voice that they pick up the phone, they don't have to identify themselves. You know the voice, the familiar voice. I was KLTY's most winningest caller. And the way the Lord said, I'm going to show you how to win. And so when I'd call, what would happen is it would ring, but then you would get seven rings down the line and go, uh, all circuits have been tied up. 
but you didn't know that. It sounded like it was ringing. You could sometimes get rings and sometimes you could get busies. Well, he showed me something that when I'd listen, I could tell the difference whether I was going to get the DJ or I was going to get the er. And it was so hard to make myself hang up on a call that was ringing. I thought, man, you're in. Am I sure I'm hearing? But clearly, uh, I got a call about a year later. They said, you're the winningest person in KLTY. Why are you doing this? It's amazing how God will teach you little tricks on hearing His voice. What are some easy things that you found that you have an easy time hearing on? What to teach for your devos, what class to take, what school to go to. Man, I just knew out of high school hard pay was a place for me. I knew that's where God would change my life. What job, what college to go to. These different things that to hear on. What is the easiest method you use for hearing? You throw dice? Don't laugh, it's in the Bible. That's how they picked the twelfth apostle. Come on, Lindsay. <laughs> Gotta catch these Presbyterians up. That's the Baptist way I of picking up. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. You're a good Baptist. Okay. But anyway, it's funny in Acts 1, they're sitting there, the last verse in the Bible, it's like, okay, we can hear God. Who's the apostle? We've got two good candidates, uh, Matthias and what's the other guy? They were so well known that they turned out so well. And so they're holy gully, come on, Ooh, and they throw it on the right, dice throw. Have you ever felt like that's kind of our method of hearing? Ah, yeah, kind of the Old Testament. Uh, I'm Saul, I use the unimum and the thummim. You can't even say it. You know, and there's these magic little rocks. When you're trying to get your method down, Gideon, he uses the fleeces of, when you're at that point, how many green lights and I'll marry them? You know, six green lights and they're God. You know, we use these. <laughs> if, they, if they wear uh, red today, I know my husband in this class will be red. These, these, are, these are not made up. I mean, they, these little... <laughs> they'll wear baseball caps and take me home from... They are ways that we have methods of hearing God's voice. Y'all don't practice on who to marry. You've got to start. We're, that's not the first question. That's what kind of gets me is... Freshman year, God told me they're the one. Sophomore year, it's someone else. That God told me they're the one. Yeah, junior year, God told me. You know who to marry. This is what I enjoy more than anything is college age because you've got four years and you're going to make the most life-changing, far-reaching decisions in these four years of any other four years in your life. And if you're one of those little sheep that have your cotton balls down in your ears, you can't hear well. When you're 10 years into your marriage and you're like, man, this sheep is he's just sheep, but he's a deaf sheep. You know, he, he has those spots all over him. And we're like, what do we do? Y'all, it's, it's time to hear you, man. Get some things worked out. Sometimes it's not the, the sheep's problem. It's, it's the timing problem. You're pushing it too hard, rushing it too much. And a lot of times we get out of the timing of God. Man, you got to be hearing timing, who, what. All these different things of the voice of God. You know, I told him one of my trick ways of hearing God is when, man, when I get really stuck and I can't hear, Jesus says, wisdom is vindicated out of the mouth of babes. I'll go ask an on fire little baby Christian, man, they're going for God. What would you do in this situation, hypothetically? A lot of times God will drop wisdom into your life. It's amazing how you can have methods of hearing God. God, I really want to hear your voice. And he has ways of speaking to you. Okay, John 10 verse 5 is the no stage. You know God's voice. It's not that you're hearing God's voice. You know God's voice. Knowing is incredible. It's that I know 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 that I know. How do you know? I don't know. I just know. 
I mean, if you're really going to pinpoint God's voice, it's, I know. Does anybody have to tell you it's God? How do I know which voice? I don't know. I, it was, I know that I know that I know. Right here in, in your belly. That all of a sudden you go, uh-huh. Or especially this one, uh-uh. <laughs> and you just, <laughs> you know, that wasn't God. And you just kind of had a, a little knife in there and a twist. You got to be careful. Peace, going by your peace. Sheep are led by their peace. But sometimes I've noticed what I call peace was just relief. Okay, good, I don't have to do it. And a little bit of getting out of a situation, and there's a difference between, oh, man, I don't have to do it, relief, and actually being led by a gut-level peace in a situation. I know, uh-huh, uh-uh. It's a real clear voice. Nobody can do this for you. Saul was the only one I know that had a, a guy that heard from him all the time, Samuel, and he got in a lot of trouble when Samuel died. He had to pull him back out of the dead. I got, I got to borrow a witch. You got to feel for the guy. He'd used his whole life letting someone else do his hearing for him. He said Samuel died and Saul went to the witch. And that's what happens when you do not get to the point where you can hear and you use people around you. See, you don't, shouldn't go to someone and say, hear for me. You should be praying. Got an answer where you just, in your gut, think, man, I believe it's right. And then go get them to pray. And if it matches, you've got a confirmation there. See, bring something to put on the table. Bring something into the situation. Man, it's not cool. You, you pick on somebody who hears God's voice all the time. You say, man, hear, hear God for me on this. You know, I, I want to know if this is the right person. Well, you, ten years in the marriage, it doesn't go right. You're going to be mad at that guy. Well, he didn't hear right for me. But, you know, it takes two days out of your life to hear for somebody. You're, you're going there and saying, man, would you hear for me? I'm just going, you lazy stuff, you hear for yourself. Because you've got to pay a price to get into that thing where you're flowing, where it breaks through and you hear, and then that person can come back and be a second confirmation to the situation. Where you're like, yeah, that is. That's gut level the right thing to do. Breaking through. The no state. Much of the hearing is knowing. You know, a lot of times it's even a step beyond that. Sometimes I'm like, God, the scripture says that you make your voice known. So I'm counting on the Lord's ability to make his voice known to me. That's a shepherd's job. He will make his voice known to a sheep because that's how he tags them. That's how they're earmarked is that they know his voice. I told this horrible little story on myself, and I was kind of glad it went taped. Only one time in my life I felt like I got angry, and it brought something into my life. Mom and Dad herded cattle together, and so Mom would be out there eight hours chasing these cows, and Dad would be like, come on, come on, Pete. Well, I mean, you know, my mother, she looks good in her 40s, but that's just hard on a woman when she's out there and chasing these cows and scattering them and all this stuff. And, Mom, what'd you do today? Eight hours chasing your dad's cows. Submissive woman I am. And I'm like, there's got to be a better life than this. So our neighbor had a beautiful blue healer cow dog, and she told me the Australian chef was a little bit better. I mean, just clear in my spirit, God said, your dad needs one. And so we started praying, God, I thank you, you're going to provide a cow dog for my father and that he will not reject it because his last dog he had was not a cow dog, but when he stepped out of his truck, he looked and it was underneath his wheel and he swore that he would never have a dog again when he opened his car door and there was his favorite border collie underneath the wheel. So it was a real sensitive situation and it had been some years, so I thought, I feel like God told me to give him a dog that has a purpose. This is not going to be a pet. It's just going to be a working dog. So anyway, sure enough, I, we had been praying. That first week, we're praying, 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 and the most beautiful Australian ship, reddish dog, furry, came walking up to our house, and I'm like, 
man, God rains prayers out of cats and dogs out of heaven. I mean, this is just incredible. Put the little dog into our apartment that isn't supposed to have animals in it. And I'm like, God, thank you. We're going to take this home to my dad. Three days later, the owner shows up. Yeah, that's my $450 dog. I drive trucks, give it back. I'm like, okay, God, it, it was done once. It can be done again. Back to our prayer closet. Here's your dog back. So I was praying the second time. I was like, man, God, I thank you. Well, it's over in Fort Worth for some reason. It's at some extra service. And people, without knowing a thing about our prayer life, walked up to the side and said, I've got a dog for you. And he looked at them real funny, and they go, it's a cow dog. How do they know? How would they know to walk up to us, tell us they've got a dog, and that it's a cow dog? So, man, we were so excited. We called my dad. We got it. We got the dog. We're going to bring it to you. So we drove from Irving down to some little town, funky town. So anyway, we want to meet this dog, you know, this cow dog. Are you sure it's cow dog? Yes, yes, yes. So we know what cow dogs are. Australian Shep, kind of that funny look in the eye and a little spot. Yeah. We look at that thing. It's hiding under the couch and it's shaking like a leaf. And I'm like, oh, it's going to take a lot of training. You know, and we don't know a thing about that. It's going to... So anyway, we pull this dog out from under the couch. And you know, if you've ever seen the loser dog, this dog was a loser. The tail was already right between the legs and it was just... You know, it was a bad dog. It was a pup and everything, and it was. It was a bad dog. And I thought, I don't see a, a drop of cow dog blood in this. I mean, where's the papers? Where did we get this dog? Oh, it's a cow dog. How did they know to say that? And I hadn't told anyone. Anyway, we take it to my dad. My dad takes this cow dog. I told dad, I said, this dog is going to take mother out of the field, and it's going to do your cattle. And that thing sat underneath my dad's truck and his tractor, and would just shake the whole weekend. And I'm like, what a loser. I mean, I don't even think I could train a smart one, you know. And so we gathered up that cow dog, drove it all the way back to that Fort Worth home, didn't even say hi. It's 1.30 in the morning, we dropped that dog back over their fence and go home. I'm like, you can't tell a cow dog better than that. Come on. And I thought I'd ruin my chances for my dad forever because he didn't like the ideal anyway because he doesn't think we're going to be able to train the thing. So anyway, I'm back in my apartment, and I don't know, on Monday, it was just the wrong time of the week. It was a, I was praying. And, I, and this was not a sacrilegious thing that I meant or anything towards God, but the way it came out of my mouth, like that. I'd been on the mission field before, and hearing God had been something I had prayed for since I was little. God, let me hear your voice. Let me hear your voice clearly. Let me hear your voice clearly. And I remember looking up into heaven. I said, God, <laughs> had a rough time hearing. There was a moment's pause. What was coming out of me was everything in my body screaming, how can I be your sheep and hear you if I can be tricked like that? I mean, it's just that frustration of how can the devil have power in my life to make it fake miracles? I mean, the first one was a miracle. The second one was a miracle. I never thought I heard on those two, but I'm like, this is a weird sort of thing happening to me like I'm being messed with. And in a point of desperation, I have never felt anything like that. And I really thought I had crossed the line with God that I, because I have always had intimacy in my prayer life with him and talking to him, but I have never been one of those to ever. Some people say they've said stupid things. I don't do that with God. I mean, when I get to heaven, my posture, people say, I'm going to go sit in this lap. No, I'm going to be flat on my face. I mean, that is my feelings towards God. I mean, he is everything in my life. And at that moment, as clear as I could imagine, he spoke so loud to me. It's the loudest I have ever heard God speak to me. He says, go to the pound. Your dog's there now. Go now to the pound. Go now. Leave now. Go to the pound. Your dog's there. It was clear. I was disobedient. I didn't have a car. Waited for three and a half. It got to be 4.30, and that was 1.30, 1.20. So I get to the pound. 
I'm still in a pretty emotional turmoil. I ask them, do you have any Australian ships or want any? Yeah, I said, any kind of cow dog? No, 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 we know all the paperwork. Then they tried to give me this dog, Miko. And Miko is this third crazy dog that they said, oh, it herds all the animals. And I could tell it had a little Australian in it. And I'm like a half-grown, dumb dog. I mean, it's halfway through its life. You know, it's dumb. And I, you know you start feeling those guilt. Maybe God wants me to marry an ugly one. You know, you're just sitting there thinking those thoughts. You know, you start thinking, maybe that's my flesh that wants them pretty. Maybe, maybe God wants me to give Miko a good life. You know, and you're, and you're thinking all these voices, pam, pam, pam. What's God? I don't know. I can't hear anymore. What's wrong with me? Leaving out the pound, there was a bit, there was a German Shepherd pup about this big, and this little bitty pup all of a sudden goes over that German Shepherd pup, takes that big German Shepherd dog, flips it upside down, and bites its throat and hangs on. And I look down at that dog and I go, "Bring me the papers on that dog." And they go, "We're sorry, that dog's not aggressive." I go, "No, bring me the paperwork." Australian Shep Catahoula mix. It's what our neighbor said was the best blend there was. They, I said, "Can I have the name of the owner?" Uh-uh. I said, can I see the paperwork on the shot? So the name was on there. I wrote his name on my hand and the phone number. Get home, call the guy. I'm like, man, I saw a dog in the pound today. And I, I said, what kind of dog is it? He goes, his mother. We had eight puppies. We sold all six of them for a lot of money. He goes, which ones did you get? There was a, two of them, and I only saw one. He goes, man, I wish I'd run into you. At 1.30, I came to the pound, and I'm sitting there thinking, I wouldn't have had to pay the 70 bucks for the hysterectomy. I mean, I would have run into him. The dog got distemper and almost died from being in the pound. It contracted distemper. I was on the floor every day going, Lord, I think of this dog will live and not die. And the vet goes, it's in the third stage of distemper. His eyes had matted over after a week, and it was convulsing. I was like, you know, and I'm like, God, you didn't give me this one to lose him. And so I'm praying over this dog, and I'm like, God, I think of this dog's mind will, will bound with my dad's heart and that they'll work as one. That dog, they say on cow dogs, you cannot get a cow dog. They'll either be pushers or gatherers. This dog will take a herd. It'll bring a herd. It will take a cow and pick it out of there. It's the most amazing dog. It, if something went wrong with it, it's a runt. The, the mom was like about three feet high, and this one's about this big. And champ, I mean, we prayed it out of rattlesnake bites. I mean, its whole chest, its head was kicked in. I mean, this is a miracle dog. And the other day I was reaching out petting, and I thought, you know, it's, it's kind of like I want to talk tonight on the ability to know God's voice, to hear God's voice. Maybe it comes at a point of desperation in your life where you just say, God, God, I am your sheep. And the Bible clearly says, my sheep, know my voice. Make your voice known to me. Lord, I want to hear in that kind of an intimate way in my life. My sheep know, and number two, my sheep hear my voice. Okay, John 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice. They had a bunch of Gideons. They were, you know, giving their talk. And they told one of the coolest stories I've ever heard. They were talking about over in Israel. At night, the shepherds put all their sheep in one big old cave together. So you have the shepherd, and he has a bunch of sheep. They all look alike. They put them in the cave. Next shepherd comes along, he has a bunch of sheep, they put them all in the cave. And the guy's watching and he's like, all the sheep look alike. So he started looking for distinguishing marks on them. I mean, what do we do? We brand them, ear tag them, we do all these crazy things to them in Texas. We know our sheep. And they're like, these stupid shepherders, what are they going to do? Third, fourth, and they fill them up. The shepherds leave at night. So the guy said, we could not wait to see. How are they going to divide them out like like this the next morning, oh, that's my sheep, oh, it's my sheep, divide the baby into, what are we going to do? So they're all trying to decide how to get the sheep out, so they thought, we're going to get up early. So they said they went to the sheepfold, and they watched the next morning, 
And those shepherds came up there, and just as clean as a whistle, whistle, they did this yodel. One guy did a yodel, and out walked his sheep. The next guy came up, and he did his call, and out walked his sheep. The next guy did his call, out walked his And we thought, we smart Texans, we brand them, we chop their ears off, and what do they do? They just know their voice. And I thought, what incredible analogy of knowing God's voice. Not only knowing his voice, but hearing his voice. That my sheep hear his voice. There's four levels of hearing. First level of hearing is how to survive. It's sheer survival. Did you know you will bleed less and live longer if you hear your shepherd better? You know, it's the ones closer to the shepherd, it's the strays that get in trouble. And the closer and the more intimate you are to God on hearing God's voice, the longer you're going to live spiritually. You're not going to fall in those holes that everyone else did. It's an intimate thing of hearing God's voice. It will make all the difference in your Christianity on this. Which one's the wolf? He doesn't appreciate her. He doesn't take care of her. Sometimes it's hard serving God single. I'm telling you, it's harder serving God in the dead marriage. You've got to be able to discern. You know, it's funny. He didn't go after the little girl in the bar to wreck her life. He goes after girls with callings on their life to destroy their life, to break something inside of them. And don't think that happens. But you can see things where some of the people in the ministry that have the strongest call of God on their life, you got to see the battles they're doing at home. You, you want to say, man, I don't believe in divorce. But man, that guy's living with some pain. He's living with some stuff that just, yeah, she's fighting him on his call every single day. He may think he's a pastor, but she doesn't want to be a pastor's wife. And you've got some problems in ministry where sometimes those callings start fighting. Man, you've got to know the voice of the wolf. You've got to know in order to survive. Now, there's nothing that glorifies God more than two people serving the Lord together. And you see very few people, too, they're both in love, and they're both serving the Lord, and both strong callings on their life. Y'all, this is what we're doing in here. This isn't our young marriage. You've got God's given you every chance in the world to do it right, to make right decisions, to not go through that pain that some are doing where we have to try to believe in the right kind of a marriage. Man, God is giving you the ability where, man, I'm seeing couples come together, and, man, they got fire in their bones. And the two cards have the third one wrapped around it, and they can't be broken. One puts a thousand to flight, two ten thousand. You don't need a marriage partner. You can just get you a buddy and go to state school with me. Man, you got power there. Find it out. Ministry together. Hearing to survive, hearing to, number two, grow. Daily hearing. Isaiah 30, verse 21. You hear a voice from behind you, and it tells you what to do. Y'all, that's a cool thing that you're walking, and God speaks from behind you. The voice of God just coming in from behind and speaks and telling you what to do. Isaiah 50, verse 4. Oh, Lord, awaken my ear. Take this dead ear that cannot hear and awaken my ear like a disciple. Morning by morning. You know, what a beautiful prayer that God, in this morning, I want this to be a hearing day. I want this to be a day that I hear your voice, that I walk in your way, that actually, that this day you speak to me. What a way to live when every single day you're hearing God's voice on a daily basis. Man, it's a fun way to live. And what a waste for people that say they go a lifetime and don't hear God's voice. That's entire to scripture when it says, my sheep hear daily. It's not a big deal. You be hearing. And it leads your life in a way that there's no other way to describe it. You know, don't you kind of get jealous of those Old Testament saints? You, there didn't seem to be a hesitancy in it. Oh, I, know, I know God told me to uh, pick up all my stuff and move to the other side of the world. And no, I don't know where I'm going, but I don't take any relatives with me. That's clear hearing. They think you're crazy. I built a boat, but I uh, haven't ever seen any rain. Y'all, 
What are we doing is peanuts, and we're on the other side of the cross. I mean, we've got the Holy Spirit on our life. He came and went back then. When we got born again, the Holy Spirit came into our life. Man, our hearing should be better than these guys. I mean, this is hearing when he tells you, go sacrifice your son. And the amazing thing was, make sure you got the right mountain. He said, go to this mountain. You want to go to the one that has the realm on it. That was a little important part of the story. Let's not just hear the first part of what God's saying. Wake in my ear morning by morning that I can hear. David, he was like, man, God, do I oversue? And God says, you'll know when to attack when you hear the wind blowing in the balsa trees. You go after them. What specific hearing? Hearing the wind blow through the trees. Interesting verse. 1 Samuel 5, 23, if you want to write that down. Different styles of hearing, but they seem to do it with these. We were laughing the other night. Man, put yourself on the mission field. You'll hear Eric's walking along. Oh, who do I witness to? Who do I witness to? Go back to the park. Goes back to the park. One of the most effective days in Ireland. I worked with an IRA guy. <laughs> worked with some girls. The Lord said, give away all your good Christian CDs. Don't take them on the mission field. God might be tempted to ask you to give them up. I mean, you've got to be careful. Be thinking ahead. Okay, so on the mission field, there's ways to hear God's voice. You know, and the one thing I don't trust, and I don't want you all to be those kind of goofy kind of sheep, is these people, they never hear anything hard to do. You know, when God speaks to me, he tells me hard things to do. Go apologize. Go tell him you're wrong. You know, it's hard things. Go up, write a letter. <laughs> go ask him to forgive you go witness to that person oh man no god not that sermon god I, I could write a pretty one where more people would come i could fill this place out oh don't make me say that god come on let's wait have you ever had god do that you know what did jesus do he seemed to enjoy being controversial at times i mean he was an unusual that's what made him God. And when you start hearing him in those kind of ways, he'll tell you the hard thing to do in life. Not that much money in the offering. You start rebuking that stranger's voice. you got to be kidding. That's not God. Pass on. Next voice. And you know the amazing thing? You can argue with God, but he'll keep saying the same thing. You know, we've noticed that when you're saying, God, I need to hear you today, and all of a sudden you realize you weren't obedient to what he told you to do yesterday. You know, God, he, he doesn't ever... He doesn't forget things. He'll just keep saying the same thing to you. I told you a week ago to go to, and you're like, oh, the hard kind of things. I never trust people who never hear God tell them to do something tough. The first thing, first thing Gideon heard was, go tear your father's idol down. First thing man, that guy had to do. <laughs> ah, your grandmother's Buddha. Her little statue, go throw it up. He broke its neck. He threw it over the fence and Buddha broke its neck. Got <laughs> <laughs> that idolatry out of my grandmother's house. Okay. You don't want to be a part of the deaf sheep, the ones that cannot hear. You've got to start doing what Hebrews 5.14 says, and that's practicing hearing God's voice. Do you know you can really practice? Okay. What's carta by? They're all white, and they all look alike. One of them's a lemon. That's what my dad always said. You need to hear on that. You just go in, you just, there's 12 printers, and you just pick your printer off the thing, and you go, oh, it doesn't matter which one I get, and you're like one month later going, man, it went past the warranty. You know, one day that guy was having a bad day when he assembled that one. <laughs> and he left that part. You're hearing God on little things like, uh, where's the best dress that's on sale? Where, where you're hearing a little bitty thing, multiple choice test. <laughs> you really know if you hear. I mean, it's a cool way of hearing. It's better than practicing on your pets. You know, if they die, bury them. It's no big deal. That's, that dog was, that's a cow dog. Sometimes things are more important than life. But you know what he is? He's an object lesson to me in hearing God. 
And I've noticed God will use some of the most mundane things on earth to teach me something about a spiritual principle. We're not so pseudo-spiritual. Oh, it's always spiritual. No, come on. He's God. And he'll speak to you, and you'll learn to hear him. The most amazing story was Leisha that time. When she, Leisha was one of these that she just looked like when she worshipped, she was going to leave. She was never in contact with earth. It was kind of Enoch was, and then he was not. So Alicia's like, oh, I'm supposed to hear God's voice. Okay. And Alicia, she was never meant for college. But anyway, so Alicia just kind of walked in here. Oh, okay, hear God's voice. So she's, she's on a trip or tire break. And she goes saying, the Lord said, his name's Carl. And she said, the Lord told me your name's Carl. And he goes, how'd you know my name? She led him to Jesus. And that's hearing. You don't want to miss it, but that's hearing. Practice on the nursing homes. Practice on the prisons. Come on, y'all. Get it where they can't tell about it. My dad always has this thing. Tape up the gas gauge. If it's 22 gallons, ask God to tell you when it's 20. If you're walking, you missed it. If you only had to put in five, you're antsy. <laughs> There's ways to hear. Don't tell him when I said for you to do this. I think we're weird. Hebrews 5, 14 says you practice to learn to discern, but it's between you and God. Don't go tell everybody where you had it. On Tuesday, oh, God told me you weren't going to wear sandals today. It was going to be basketball shoot. Don't tell him you come to this Bible study. Blame it on Dr. Al. Tell him that he did it. <laughs> He's a friend of ours. If you get caught on your pranks, you're not hearing well. Come on, the police get you. Get your license plate down. Pull you out of Bible class. You're still in the sorority letters, and you get caught, I mean, you're in trouble. you got to just watch. There's nothing personal, Lindsay. Don't try to be looking around, hearing the crowd. Thank you for your little bit of information today. I'll always love you for it. Okay, <laughs> here to survive, here to grow, and here generality. Y'all, Sunday, you, God will give you a scripture for a person's life. They will. They'll give you a scripture for the person's life. You know what? Sometimes you'll know God gave it to them because it's amazing what that scripture will do. But y'all, we're talking about the kind of hearing that's the amazing kind of hearing that Jesus did that said, uh, you need tax money? The, the tax money's in the next fish you'll catch. I would think that's, that's, that's kind of hokey. I mean, that's the kind of hearing that's, I mean, we're moving. And some people are comfortable, and they'll always stay in the comfortable zone of hearing. And they will not move out to distinguish inside themselves the differences in how those voices sound. And y'all, it's an amazing to get into the thing where you're not weird and you're not spooky. You just, you got a connection where it's like that KLTY phone call. You know the sound of his voice. It's, he's father. He's father. Y'all, if they just knew God sounds like father, it's an amazing way that you can hear his voice. A woman at the well, you got five husbands. The one you got is shacking up with. She ain't really yours. John 14, verse 12. Jesus says, the same works that I did, you will do. And even greater. You know, the hush about that scripture is the reason we're not going to do it is hearing takes guts. Because we don't hear the way he did. Same works Jesus did. And greater. I want to compare that verse to Acts 3, verse 2. We will never go there without guts. Look at this scripture to do the guts that Acts is talking about here in Acts 3, verse 2. Take it apart. I was thinking about it one day, and I thought, Peter is walking along. He is just going to the temple, going to church, and there's a crippled guy, and it's not just a last week accident. The guy's been messed up since birth. Verse 2, it says, Peter locks his eyes on him and he gazes at him. And in verse 4, it says, Peter reached out and he seizes the dude by the hand. It does not say when Peter touched the man, he was healed. 
It does not exactly say that halfway up the guy's healed. But it says when he seized him and he yanked him up. Y'all, I'm telling you what, if you're not hearing God's voice, the reason we don't see the miracles is we don't hear the way they hear. If you miss God, that guy's going to be a lot more crippled after you're through with him than when he started. And y'all, to me, that's a great verse to read. I like it in the Bible. I'm comfortable with it. I believe it happened. But don't you be asking me to take a crippled person and yank them up. And halfway through the flying through the air, they're healed. Because all I can picture is them crumpling back down exactly where they are. That's an amazing, in verse 7, where it says, When he reached down and he pulled him by faith, in the name and the power of Jesus Christ, it restored his body. And when he stood there, he was made whole. And y'all, sometimes I'm going to have to tell you, hearing takes guts. It takes guts. It takes knowing. It takes hearing God in a way that you say, okay, God, you said I'll do the same things in my life greater. And you think, man, I've got there. People that tell me, oh, you're preaching it too far. Oh, I'm not preaching it too far. I'm not preaching it far enough. Sometimes I get to the edge of the cliff and I look over and I'm scared to go any further. One time, I was always like jealous of this boy. She just heard God tell her, go to Japan. She didn't have any contact. She didn't have anything. You know, she was so glad she gets to Japan. And, you know, you fully expect a welcoming committee. And, oh, yes, you wish you're the one we're believing. Oh, no, it didn't happen. Nightfall comes. No one's come. She goes out. She sits on the curb. She's in front of the airport. She's telling about this in some book I read when I was a kid. And finally, you, know, you begin to have a stranger's voice. Boom, boom, boom. The voice doesn't sound strange anymore. You're doofy. You're goofy. You know, what are you doing sitting on this curb? Someone came, picked her up. They had been praying for her to be over there. Had a great meetings. God had put her there. She's sitting on the curb and they recognized her. God, God, let that not be her life. Let that be my life. I want to hear you like that. I want to be able to just, just whatever you say to do, I'll do it. Okay, God tells me, I want you to go to this wedding. I had a ride up there, didn't have a ride home. He said, don't ask for a ride home. Well, I work at Higher Payne for the recruiting department. I get up there. The whole wedding was full of Brownwood people. And I started asking people, uh, are you going back to Brown? Oh, no, we're going on to... Man, I checked everybody out in the crowd. There was nobody. I got down to there was the church was empty. We had the guy I worked for and seven of the football players, and they told me I was more than welcome to stay in the hotel room with them that night. And I thought, stranger's voice, shepherd, stranger's voice. Okay, better not. No, <laughs> this can't be God. <laughs> no revival in the hotel room. Okay, so anyway, uh, I'm like, God, what, what have I done? Well, the funny part of the story is my mother's in Israel, and my dad was out plowing. I didn't leave a note. And I'm like, you know, I guess, I don't know what I thought I was doing. I don't know what I thought I was hearing. You know, this has no spiritual significance. This is not the mission field. I'm in Fort Worth without a ride home. And all of a sudden, there's this girl that I've seen on campus. That she's a senior. I'm a freshman. And I went up to her and I said, you're not having to go back to her pain, are you? No? Well, I'll take you home with me tonight. Okay. I said, I don't share toothbrushes. We got to stop. I go to Bedford. We never go to bed. We're talking about the Lord. Her life turned upside down. She went from being a nominal Christian to being a fanatic. Oh man, she was on fire. I mean, her whole life changed the difference in that girl's life. And all it came from was a crazy ride up there with no ride home and spending the night together just going, man, we're not going to be an average Christian. We're going to go after this thing the whole way. And God had it in his plan. That girl, I would have never found her in any other way of how he puts lives together. In God on a daily basis. John 10, 27, no doubt about it, my sheep hear my voice. That means Howard Payne students. 
That means ministerial students. That means lay people. That means you sitting in your sheep. You're his sheep, and you'll hear his voice. 